0: This episode of Ministry Monday is sponsored by DCINY. Your choir has the once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to perform with beloved composers Heather Sorensen, Joseph Martin, Pepper Choplin, Mark Hayes, and many more at the world-renowned Carnegie Hall in 2024. For more information, visit dciny.org. You can also see them in action this November 27th at Carnegie Hall as over 300 singers just like you perform Heather Sorensen's Newest Requiem in Joe Martin's Christmas Dreams. Tickets can be purchased on Carnegie Hall's website with the special code for Ministry Monday listeners for 30% off. Just use the code DCG43749. Again, that's DCG43749. Hello, and welcome to Ministry Monday. I am your host, Amanda Bruce. If you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to Ministry Monday wherever you listen to your podcasts each week, and thank you for joining us today. Today on Ministry Monday, we are thrilled to offer an episode from Meet Father Rivers, a podcast celebrating the life and legacy of Father Clarence Joseph Rivers. Father Rivers, a little-known but essential figure in American Catholic history, was a composer of liturgical music, as well as an author on music and spirituality. Today, we hear from the hosts of Meet Father Rivers, Emily Strand and Eric Stiles. They interview pianist, pastoral musician, liturgist, workshop presenter, and composer, Mr. Ronald Harbour, which of course we know as Ron Harbour. Ron met Father Rivers in 1973 and became his primary accompanist, and eventually a liturgist in his own right, under Father Clarence's careful mentorship. Ron discusses his own approaches to composition, and even shares a recording of a psalm arrangement that he is particularly proud of. Psalm 63, My Soul is Thirsting on this special, most musical episode of Meet Father Rivers to Date.
1: Enjoy. Hi, my name is Emily Strand. I'm an author, college professor, and church musician.
2: And I'm Eric T. Styles, a writer, liturgist, and rector at the University of Notre Dame. And there's someone we'd like you to meet.
1: I interviewed Clarence Joseph Rivers for my graduate studies in theology at the University of Dayton.
2: And I met him while living in Cincinnati as a college student, worshiping in a Black Catholic parish. For both of us, Father Rivers became a mentor and a friend in the very last years of his life.
1: He was a Roman Catholic priest in Cincinnati, Ohio, who broke barriers of race, culture, art, and worship. He was an engine of insight who invented new standards of Catholic worship composing new songs when old ones no longer served.
2: All during a period of rapid and revolutionary change in the Catholic Church. Despite Rivers' significant and lasting contributions, he remains an obscure figure in American Catholic history. And our goal in this podcast is to change that.
1: In appreciation for how this man changed and inspired us. His name was Father Clarence Joseph Rivers.
2: Clarence Rufus J. Rivers Jr.
3: And we'd like you to meet him. I already knew this was an exacting person and you have to do what he says and you also have to come up to his standards.
1: Episode 7, Air Apparent, our interview with Ron Harbour. Our guest today is Mr. Ronald Harbour. Ron, as he is known, is one of the foremost African-American Catholic liturgists, pianists, composers, and workshop presenters working and ministering today. He worked with and learned from many of the greats of Catholic and especially Black Catholic liturgy in his long and distinguished career. He has studied at Furman University, Howard University, Catholic University of America, Catholic Theological Union at Georgetown, and the Graduate Theological Union at Berkeley, where he earned his master's in theology with a focus on liturgy. He has served in leadership positions in liturgy and music for parishes, religious communities, universities, and on the diocesan level. He is also a professor of performing arts and a published composer of liturgical music.
2: Most importantly to this podcast, Ron was taken under the wing of one Father Clarence Rufus Joseph Rivers, Jr. early in his career. And Ron both helped and was helped by Father Rivers to praise God and serve the people of God through liturgy and music. Ron is one of the original friends in Clarence and is, we think, chief among the many direct musical descendants of Clarence.
1: We would like to welcome Mr. Ron Harbour to meet Father Rivers. Thank you so much for being here.
3: Glad to be here,
1: will you please introduce yourself for our listeners and tell us a little bit about your work as a
3: liturgist and a musician well i uh was born in uh South Carolina uh people think that I'm from somewhere else, some exotic place, <laughs> but I'm from Greenville, South Carolina, and I started uh my trick as a musician liturgist uh, at about uh, seven years old. Now let's go forward. I graduate from college, uh, and I move to Washington D.C. Within two years of moving to Washington D.C., I meet Father Rivers, which changed my life uh, much as well. Now, mind you, I I was uh, I wasn't a composer at the time. I was simply a, a, an Accompianist and choir director. Um, he changed that, uh, of course, but uh, for a number of years, I, I simply played the piano uh, for him. And in 1985, he began to pull back and move pu- uh, pull back and move me forward to some engagements that he had because he was not doing his best or didn't feel that he could do his best. And wanted to give me an opportunity and chances to uh, spread my own wings. And out of that spreading came a period of time when uh, we uh, live. I lived there in Cincinnati and then to Chicago and then to um, Wichita, Kansas and then to California, all in the trek of being a musician liturgist, especially liturgist. So um, it was a long journey, but I'm more than happy, and Father Rivers played a great part. I am now, I've finished 16 years of being at the Franciscan School of Theology as the musician, as the uh, music liturgy director, and I'm presently music and liturgy director for the White Friars Hall, which is the part of the Carmelite uh, order here in uh, Washington, uh, D.C. And I, I am a director of liturgy at a local church, Our Lady of Perpetual Help. I'm more than happy to do both of those things. It's a great joy.
1: Well, that sounds like a, a full plate.
3: It is. I wouldn't have it any other way, though.
2: (laughs) Ron, can you tell us a little bit about your first impressions of uh, Clarence Rivers?
3: Now, my first impression uh, of him, uh, Eric, was uh, through Brother Joseph Hager, a real mover and shaker here in uh, Washington, uh, D.C. And he told me, that this person by the name of Clarence Rivers said that he would come to Washington, D.C. through an invitation from uh, Brother Joe at this gathering of NOBC, National Office of Black Catholics. It was a a liturgical celebration that they were doing and they invited Father Rivers to come and direct uh, music for it. And Joseph told him (laughs) that... Uh, in answer to something that Father River said, for instance, Father River said, if I come there and the choir is not prepared, I will leave instantly and go to the area. (laughs) Mind you, I did not know this. And so what we did in the meantime was gather together uh, choir members from uh, about five area churches and we were uh, ready, um, as, as far as I, I knew. And Father Rivers came, and I wasn't sure what he was going to think. Um, and uh, he stayed. He stayed. <laughs> Good sign. And yes. And Brother Joseph didn't tell me this until several days after the event. (laughs) (laughs) Probably Uh, wise. I already knew this was an exacting person, and you have to do what he says, and you also have to come up to his standards. I didn't know whether I did or didn't, but uh, nonetheless, I found out that I did.
1: (laughs) Very good. What was your... um, When you first began to get to know him, on a personal level do you have any reflections about what that was like
3: well father rivers was not uh, a, a person that you got to know personally it was all professional he lived there in cincinnati i lived in washington dc he would uh, this uh, th- this is this is really something it's quite a phenomenon I worked at, I taught uh, music there at St. Benedict, the Moore Elementary School. And Father William Norville was the pastor. And I worked in the school with the Oblates of uh, Sisters of Providence. When Father Rivers called, he would call the school and say, I need Ronald in Columbus, Georgia and sister Clementina or or sister Mary Charlotte Marshall or what whomever was the principal at that time would say of course of course i'll go tell him now <laughs> <laughs> so, he, so he would
2: he would not call you ron
3: uh oh he did if if it was after school hours, but because he was calling in the mornings, he knew oh. where exactly I was. Yeah,
1: yeah, he knew about <laughs> Catholic schools and how they how they operate,
3: and uh, about the Oblate Sisters of Providence because for them he was the musical god. So no matter where mm. I he called for me to go, uh, they would allow the principal would allow me to go. You go, you go with Father Rivers. And and I would. There were many, many occasions like that.
1: <laughs> and he, he would want you to come and accompany uh, a, a liturgy or an event. Is that is that the case?
3: And accompany uh, litur- a liturgical event. Yes. Yes. I wasn't speaking or anything. I was simply uh, playing at that time. And I met him in uh, 1973. Okay. Uh, yeah, I moved to Washington D.C. in seventy one. Met him in seventy three. Yeah,
1: and would you say? Because you said the the music for you came first, and then as a liturgist, becoming a liturgist followed. Is that? Am I hearing that correct?
3: Right. Uh, it was Father Rivers' in, in instruction that made me realize that. Um, My music was intact. What was not intact was the fact that I didn't know uh, liturgical history or liturgical theology uh, as well. And I realized that I needed to know much more about practical liturgy. How do you get from one place to another in a liturgical celebration? It was him who would, uh, wherever we were in the country, um, he would always have a meeting with me uh, either the night before or two hours before the event or whatever time I got into town. And he would walk meticulously through the celebration. He would just walk me through. And in many cases, it was the same celebration, but it was always different because there was different architecture. It was There were different sounds in the church. There were different uh, personnel uh, that he had to deal with and knew that certain people could do certain things and certain people could not do it very well. And he wanted excellence. So, therefore... Um, I got a liturgical education from this man at almost every celebration that he did from 1973 uh, because soon after that first time meeting him in, and in Washington DC, he did call in the, and the very first um, gathering that I did with him was in Columbus, uh, Georgia and he he um uh, would make sure that i understood exactly uh, what to do at what time as a matter of fact he would he would say i want you to play for about Thirty-five or forty seconds. This piece that le- that will lead me to walk from one place to another, or for whatever minister to walk from one place uh, to another, or I want you to play a solo here. Now, mind you, I'm I am not Catholic. I am at a uh, a school, however, that is Catholic of which I started working uh, at night in 1972. And between Father Norwell and Father Clarence Rivers and some of the uh, sisters as well, I learned a lot. But it was Father Rivers who gave me the most complete education of which I was so very happy to receive because uh, even with all my book learning, uh, through Catholic University, through the um, the um, uh, the Franciscan School of Theology, and several other places where I've been, uh, it was always Clarence's voice in the back of my head. Every time I put together a liturgy, every time I write a script, it's always Clarence that's in the back of my head saying, "What should I do? How do you get from one place to another? And what is the sound of?" The the piece of music that you're doing, does it fit the moment? Does it fit the liturgical uh, event or the liturgical moment uh, as well? So my, my beginning as a liturgist began with him. I didn't start studying formally until 1984 when I mm-hmm. went to uh, Catholic University only for uh, a year but nonetheless it was through clarence's influence that i began to go and see seek what it meant to become uh, a liturgist now i had done several things uh in the meantime i was the director of liturgy and music for the uh Catholic chaplaincy at Fort Belvoir. I was part of the liturgical arts staff at Georgetown University. Did many, many other things. And all of it was because of uh, Father Clarence Rivers, whom I would call and talk about this, that, or the other. And he would say, you go on and do that, boy. Let them know. Let them know that you're you you up for that. And you will say yes. Okay.
1: (laughs) So sounds like career advice as well.
3: Oh, if you want to say that by by all means, because once I lived in um, in Wichita, I I did a script for a celebration for the diversity within uh, the. the Diocese of Wichita, Kansas. Um, I moved there from Chicago to be artisan in residence at a local black uh, church, black, black Catholic church there. And um, um, somehow they couldn't get whatever it was together and bring all these people together as well. And somehow I was able to do this through writing the script, working with people and the bishop, of uh, Wichita was impressed. And he said, I want you to come and do work for the diocese. And so I call up Clarence. And I said, this is what Bishop Gerber has asked me to do. I'm not sure that I can do that because it was director of the office of worship. I've never done anything like that before. <laughs> and, he, and of course, he gave me his famous, you go on and say yes to that that bishop boy. <laughs> Don't you give up the opportunity. <laughs> and so I said, well, that means that your telephone is going to have to stay on because I'm going to be calling constantly. <laughs> <laughs> and he said things he would say something like, "Well, you always do at that point i we had begun to be more personally involved um with yeah, with each other. I began to know him a bit better, but it was when I went to graduate school in uh California that I had to call him almost every day. Mm. Uh, because there was a liturgical or a theological uh, statement or problem that I could not understand. And it was Clarence who always walked me through what was going on, what the writer meant. And so he ushered me through graduate school for a master of theological studies uh, with a concentration in liturgy. So, that uh, that was the kind of uh, the formal end of my trick, but I you're always looking for uh, new information, so your
2: education never stops, never stops. Can you just clarify because you said earlier uh, uh, that you uh, aren't Catholic, but at some point you were received into the church. Uh, so would you tell us the story about when you became Catholic?
3: Well, Eric, I always tell people that I started my trick as a musician and liturgist at seven years old. What I didn't know was what the church, Mountain View Baptist Church, was teaching me at that time. But I learned things that I began to see more clearly when working with Clarence. I learned the things from the Baptist church that prepared me for my work uh, as a Black Catholic uh, much later on. But I graduated from college in, in South Carolina, moved to Washington, D.C., started working for St. Benedict the Moor Got involved with Black Catholicism all over uh, Washington, uh, Washington D.C., and I was the uh, on the liturgical arts staff in uh, beginning in 1979 um, at Georgetown University, and then started working in campus ministry at uh, in 1985. And what happened was that um, there was a need for um, there was a need for a person who's I guess you would call that person a, a catechist because there was no one at Catholic U at that time in campus ministry to usher people through the initiation process. Well when i was at georgetown because i was on the liturgical art staff they invited me to come and after a while i also was invited to do beginnings and beyond which is part of the uh, rcia national uh experience uh the uh, the the national forum uh yes. of the human was uh the uh, name of it and one day um I was there at uh, in my office, and Father Edward Branch came in and said, Archbishop Hickey has asked a question. When Archbishop Hickey heard my name because he knew it, he said, I don't think that person is Catholic. And Father <laughs> Branch said, tomorrow at one o'clock, you're going to be confirmed. So I said, "Okay," and wow, what I love that. do you need to do? <laughs> and he said, "Well, you need to have a sponsor, and I will make sure that everybody uh, is there." So on Catholic's campus, the following day, I had a sponsor from the uh, the um, uh, Catholic Chaplaincy at Fort Belvoir, uh, Richard Fragamini. Uh, was the the musician, and David Power was the pre- presider, and Father Branch was the one who poured oil all over me. Wow. And the, the reason that he did it was because um, I was Catholic, because yes. I knew uh, so much about the church, much more than uh, a person who had been Catholic all of their lives. And that's because of Father Norville, certainly because of Father uh, Rivers and uh, the uh, sisters of Providence, but also the people at Georgetown and at Catholic University as well. I had done all of that before I became Catholic. And so in 1985, i became catholic that's right. how it happened
1: <laughs> you you're or or maybe it's uh fair to say your catholicism was was sort of ritually affirmed
3: oh it was listen, to you, listen to you talking like a liturgy
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was confirmed yes, right? yes. affirmed and confirmed it, it, yeah. you,
1: you had been grandfathered in, in a sense. You know, it's funny because I, I am a liturgist and and I used to train, I used to work at the University of Dayton and I would train the Eucharistic ministers, the extraordinary ministers of Holy Communion, although I am yeah. not myself, one, that's not one of my ministries. And so I would train them and so somebody asked me to be an extraordinary minister at their wedding and of course I'm not, you know, that's not one of my ministries, but I said yes and they were like well, are you one of these ministers? And I said, um, good enough. <laughs> you know, I, said, I don't, I don't, I'm not, you know, no, but I teach
3: them. So I ought to be, you know, so. Which right. you are. Yeah. Yes. But yes. you are. Yeah. Indeed. And, um, and, that, and that was something that I had to do all over the diocese of Wichita, Kansas, um, training Eucharistic ministers, Traveling through the highways and byways before GPS and uh, finding small churches sometimes large, most of the times very small, maybe two hundred fifty members or two hundred fifty people in the little town uh, as well. but that was one of the main things that I did. Wow, and no i wasn't I wasn't a Eucharistic minister, <laughs>
1: not technically. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, can I ask? Um, since Eric followed up with a question about when you became Catholic, when did you
3: become a composer? Um, I began to compose right when I began to work at St. Benedict there in uh, Washington, or here in Washington D.C. Uh, what I realized was through Clarence, I. There were songs that uh, and responses that were needed that um, I we simply didn't have, and so I began to write little things like a memorial acclamation, maybe a response to the intercession, something very small. Before I began to do a holy and and other things for the uh, mass, but then as I think it was a rejoice, the rejoice conference, um, and also for the uh, summer liturgy workshops that were sponsored by the National Office of Black Catholics, of which Father Rivers was the leader for these t- two weeks in the summer. It was just Awesome. But I would begin to compose things for for uh, those gatherings uh, as well. So uh, and then it just c- continued to go on. Now, I am, uh, uh, of course, I am a published uh, composer, uh, but it is only now that I feel that I have the time and the maturity uh, to write things uh Much better than before. uh, Taking my time to do so. Uh, I I use many times what's on my mind is what I what I uh, I realize uh, through playing them and teaching them as well, but I don't write it down. Now I do sketch things uh, out so I can remember later and have a slew of um responsorial psalms that i will begin to i that i have begun to work on and as a matter of fact two of them in the last the last several months have been accepted by a publisher a liturgical publisher a music publisher as well so it's a good thing hopefully i can do as many as Uh, 10 to 12 pieces a year until I fade away.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh,
1: We hope that takes a long, long time. (laughs) At this point, we asked Ron if he would be willing to share a recording of a psalm composition that he's really proud of. And he graciously shared a recording of his composition of Psalm 63 called My Soul is Thirsting. He even gave us permission to play the entire piece on the podcast, so we're particularly grateful for his generosity, and we hope you enjoy this rendition of Psalm 63 by Ronald Harbour.
4: My soul is thirsty
1: Eric, I think there's no better way to end Episode 7 of Meet Father Rivers, except for with the additional promise of more of our interview with Ron Harbour in Episode 8, which will also be released this month.
2: Yeah, I think it needs to be a two-parter for Black History Month.
1: Yeah, definitely. As we were interviewing Ron, I kept getting the sense that we weren't just preserving Clarence Rivers as an important figure of American history and liturgical music, but in the process, we were preserving the voice of yet another important treasure of American Catholicism, Ron Harbour himself.
2: Yeah, And I hope that he understands when he listens to the podcast how much we appreciate him um, and look to him as a, a mentor and uh, uh, a leader in our, in our field. So don't forget, if you have a story or experience of Father Rivers to share, please be in touch. You can email the show at meetfatherrivers at gmail.com.
1: Meet Father Rivers is hosted, produced, and engineered by me, Emily Strand.
2: And co-hosted and produced by me, Eric T. Styles. Our theme music is composed, arranged, and performed by Ron Harbour under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and, of course, Clarence himself.
1: And we are so very grateful for it. Jonathan Kelso also helps us with the show as part of our Meet Father Rivers team. You, dear listener, can help us as well. Please, if you're enjoying the podcast, take a moment to rate the show or write a review on Apple Podcasts or on whatever platform you use to listen.
2: In the ever-expanding world of podcasts, positive reviews are how shows like ours reach a larger audience. Another way of helping us is to tell a friend about the show and to encourage them to listen.
1: To our guest today, Ron Harbour, and to all who have helped to make this project a reality, we are, as Father Rivers once wrote, like the saints on the morning of the Great Resurrection,
2: eternally grateful. And is, we think, Chief among the many direct musical descendants of Lord Rivers, the Duke of Clarence. (laughs) Yes. The heir of. Heir apparent. Yes, right. It fits
1: fits with the metaphor here.